It's good to be together. Thank you, Lord, for indoor temperatures. I did see the northern lights were out, so... Yes, they were... I could see them over my headlights. That's how exciting it was. So, we can all run out and look at them right after I'm done here. Yeah. Well, if you get sleepy during service, take a quick dash, come right back in. It's got to be quick. It says, uh, this is... This is where I was at today, and so I'll share with you Psalm 34. Interestingly, Psalm 34 and Job 34 have some good things in common. It says, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is nigh them that are of a broken heart, and save such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. I appreciate that clarification because uh, the scripture doesn't say when you cry out to the Lord and he hears you, you will have no more afflictions. What it says is that he's nigh you and that not all of your bones are broken. So that's comforting, but a lot of things can happen between nothing happening and your bones not breaking. And therein lies the land of affliction. Uh, and, you know, sometimes it is in the middle of that process where we realize how nigh unto us the Lord is. Um, I found for myself that as much as I'd like to avoid it, that uh, each day when the Lord meets me with the revealing of what is in the heart that must go and brings me through whatever afflictions are required, that... Uh, if I, if I simply turn to him in the middle of that, um, boy, I find out that he is nigh me. And that is a good promise to have. Uh, it's, it's good to know that he's there. And uh, it's good to know that it's, it's worth the cry. It's worth what he brings us through uh, to know that. So I'm thankful for that. I'm working to be thankful for those things where the Lord is in the middle of those many afflictions. Uh, he's working on our behalf. And thank you, Lord, that he's near us. Amen? Amen. All right, let's gather.
Gabe made an offer for those of you that wanted to see the North, Northern Lights, so this would be a good time. <laughs> I'm totally good with that. Yeah, I would not be crushed. <clears throat> I uh, appreciated um, service Saturday morning. I'm sure the openings have been good this week, but I have not been here, so I can't speak on that. <clears throat> but uh, I thought uh, Nathan was very clear. Um, very uh, on time uh, <clears throat> with what he shared and um, had it been the old days you know you get up after someone else preach I might have been I might have thought about it <laughs> getting up after him because at the time, I don't know what it's, how it sounds like tonight, but at the time it was confirming uh, a lot of what I was thinking about. But I uh, also uh, appreciated what Brother Bill said there at the start of service, and I want to remind you of that because I think it's um, very important, uh, and it was just the way that he said it uh, highlighted to me, again, uh, I mean, Brother Bill's been talking about that for a while, but he was talking about um, the most, you know, the, our part is our offering. That's the most important part and that we can give is to offer ourselves to the Lord. And he brought the example of uh, Abraham, how um, uh, Abraham... Uh, what was it? God asked him. He asked Abraham. God told Abraham, "You are my." Ex God told Abraham, "You exceeding great reward." And Abraham said, "Well, how old would I know that?" And um, the answer was the sacrifice, uh, and and the and protecting the sacrifice that he made. That uh, you know, as soon as you offer yourself uh, and say, "Lord, here I am." that there's all kinds of filthiness that is going to come to try and <clears throat> take away from that sacrifice, um, which is just you simply, at least for me, coming before the Lord and say, saying, here I am, Lord. Um, speak to me today. Lead me today. Um, what would you like me to do today? I have a lot of plans for the day, a lot of ideas, uh, but what, what, if I was to give you a little bit of room, what would you say to me today, uh, and how would you lead me, and uh, you know, just realize at the end of the day that, that I probably wouldn't have gone where I did, where I did that day if it hadn't been for that offering that you made, and say, Lord, here's my day, uh, here are my thoughts. Um, you take over and you know that can sound religious and um, don't sound be religious but do offer um, in sincerity Lord uh, 
uh, that the places that I go today will be led by your spirit. And that whatever you bring up in my direction, that I would receive it as being given from your hand. Um, and, uh, you know, just to allow ourselves to, to be a willing offering before him. So we're not dragged into some of these <laughs> battles that we find ourselves into and realize afterwards, oh, I think God was trying to tell me something today. Right? I don't know. I'm sure some of you probably don't don't get to that place. But, you know, a lot of times I'm like, oh, man, I, this would have been a lot easier had I, had I um, uh, given my thoughts to the Lord in the morning and, and made myself available to what he wants to do with me and what he, where he wants me to go today instead of what I have an idea of what I should do. Then we need to do those things. But in the midst of that, God is very willing and able to redirect our path so that they align themselves with what God has purpose for us on that day. And anyway, so that that morning, just that that example of Abraham uh, protecting the sacrifice that he made uh, was just highlighted to me that uh, it's not just offering yourself before him, but it's also not allowing the fowls of the air to come and take away from that offering that you are giving him. Um, there, there is a part that we have in protecting, in, in being awake, uh, alert to what he's saying and not allowing the enemy. It's not just throwing it before the altar, right, and running away. It's being there to protect that which we're offering him. Uh, but um, so along with that, um, I want to start in Zechariah um, 13. And um, I want to get to a couple of things here. It's I just should tell you about it mostly. I'll read a little bit here. But Zechariah 13 has a lot that I don't understand. I just want to say that up front. Um, <clears throat> Chapter 12 is even a little bit more difficult for me. Uh, there are, you know, there are little lines here and there that you kind of capture a little bit of what, what it's saying, but there's a lot that I don't. But here in Zechariah 13, um, the Lord, uh, it starts in verse 1. It says, in that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanliness. That, that's a good thing there, I think. Um, that um, there's going to be an opening um, for you to have access to him. Um, and then it, it talks about other, other things. Uh, but it, it, it hits it there a little bit further down that that when the sheep are scattered, um, and I think that's in verse, what was that? Seven, yes. When the sheep are scattered, it says there at the end, I will turn mine hand upon the little ones. And that's the heart of Father God, to, to run, to be our help and deliver us. Um, 
not to hurt us, not to injure us, not to make us suffer, but to run for his little ones and 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 succor them, be a help to them. And then um, verse eight, it says, and it shall come to pass that in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die. Now that that's uh, pretty aggressive there. Um, and I don't think it's, it's, it's talking about um, uh, you know I, I don't I don't know we used we, we used to think that that we were a part of that third company a part of that third part that was gonna remain and the two-thirds were gonna be cut off I don't know how God you know exactly all that he's doing here but uh, hear me out um, it says, two, per, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. And I will bring the third part through the fire, and I will refine them as silver is refined, and will try them as gold is tried. Then they shall call on my name, and I will hear them. I will say, it is my people, and they shall say, the Lord is my God. And, um, you know, I'd like to focus tonight mostly on that last verse that, you know, that the whole intent of God for his people is to bring them to a place where they can call upon him and he's going to answer them. That's very exciting. But more exciting, it is that he'll say they are my people and they shall say the Lord is my God. And uh, we'll talk about that here in a minute. But uh, the, the, um, the, not the work, the intensity of, um, and actually the, the, the purpose and the will of Father God to find you, to find me, and to find value in what we are when we are of no value, uh, when we are, uh, you know, worth nothing, and 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 he says that you know that part he is going to refine uh, and make perfect, so that we come to a place where we will know that that he is our God. And just to, um, excuse me, just to, to show you a little bit, I'm not an expert on this, but just to show you a little bit the worth of, or the value of gold. You know, it says he's gonna try us, the silver is refined and his gold however it says, but it's valuable. Um, you know, this was written, I don't know how many years, thousands and thousands of years ago. And the value of gold is still, is still a precious high value for that metal. And um, I was thinking, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we worked at Pogo, so we are a little bit related to a little bit of an understanding to what this means or the cost of it but 
you know, first of all, just to, and my intent is not to tell you a story about gold. I just want us to get a little bit of a grip on when God says that you are more valuable than gold. I mean, gold is not even the goal. That's not even in the spectrum. He's just using it as, you know, you are more valuable and more meaningful to him than gold. Wow. Um, but, um, you know, to even, to, to find gold, you have to be very well off to be able to, to even decide that you're going to find gold. Now, there are a lot of people out here, especially in Alaska, there are several miners that are, you know, small miners, and, you know, there are stories I used to watch when I went to speech tournaments, you know, on that one channel about the, the gold miners and what they do and all the equipment and all that. If you read the statistics, most of those guys go <coughs> uh, underground. They, they can't, they, it's just, it's very costly to be able to mine gold. And, um, you know, you look at companies like Pogo and Ken Ross and some of those, and, um, you know, some of the copper mines, uh, just, just the, the resources that it takes to be able to find the gold alone and to know that it's going to be there is astronomical. And, you know, you don't, and nobody knows about it. Nobody really knows what's happening till it's discovered and, you know, someone finally makes a big deal of it or they do and start mining it and, you know, realize that, you know, this is a rich vein of gold right here. But it takes years and years and lots of exploration, lots of research and money spent that is not going to have any return for a very long time. <clears throat> and it takes someone that is extremely wealthy and well off to be able to be able to spend all that with that because the return is going to be a long ways down the road. Anyway, that's just to find it. That's just to know where it is. Uh, not, you know, you still haven't gotten even to, to uh, well, hopefully you will buy the, the rights and then you have to do all the permitting. There is a, uh, there's a mine actually on the way to Pogo. Um, it's a Canadian-owned claim. Thank you, Lord. Um, they own this claim and they have been, they already did all their exploration and now they are in permitting <coughs> stages. And it has been at least five years. They have all a bunch of roads developed and they have their camp out there and everything. And they've been waiting for about five years just for the permitting to process. Uh, and before that, I have no idea how much time and resources were spent, get, you know, just getting to that place. <clears throat> you know, and, and then um, finally you get all that together and you set up your equipment and all that. Then you have to, uh, as, at least for Pogo, you, you, they have um, to tunnel get, to get to be able to, to the goal because it's under the mountain. So it's kind of at the base and in the middle of the mountain. So at Pogo, it's a, that's an underground mine. <coughs> so it's not an open pit like <coughs> Fort Knox and some of those other ones are. Um, so they have to make roads under the mountain. And right now, well, 
um, as far as I know, at any given moment, Pogo can have about 20 miles of road under the mountain. Um, that's a lot of miles of road, a lot of tunneling. And that is, a lot, some of that is, that, that's all together, but a lot of that is just to be able to get to the gold. You know, not even, a lot of, a lot of those tunnels and a lot of that material, the material that we crush, that we crush every year out there, is just, it's what comes out of the tunnels before you get to the gold. Um, so they get to that and then, then, you know, then you actually have to do the work of blasting and getting all the ore out of there and it comes out in rocks and you know just a mixture of big rocks and stuff like that they pull that out and then they run it through a crusher and then they crush that to downsize it and then they run it through another process to pulverize it to make it just this nasty nasty really fine fine powder um, that's now that's the ore and then after that they run it through a chemical process to be able to extract the chemicals out of the gold and you know that's a big huge long process it takes a lot of chemicals and a lot of stuff and then then they have the <clears throat> ovens where they actually burn off all the chemicals and can actually start purifying the gold now that seems kind of simple, but you know, we do lots of dollars worth of work for the mine and we are one of the tiniest little companies that work for them. And we don't have anything to do with the gold. We just support their access <laughs> to get to this goal. And you know, there's all kinds of infrastructure and all kinds of uh, research and engineering and stuff that happens way beyond that. And, you know, that, just telling you that, that kind of gives you an idea of when he says that he's going to refine you as gold is tried. Uh, first of all, you know, to, to get to the gold and for him to be able to see gold in us. Uh, let me tell you this. Um, I think Pogo, um, I think they, the cost of getting an ounce of gold is about 600 to $800 an ounce, just cost alone. This is what it was a little while back anyway, maybe more now, six to $800 per ounce. They consider, they, they consider worth um, <clears throat> refining or um, down to, uh, or up to 0.12 ounces of gold per ton like that's that's I think that's the number that if if whatever comes out of the ground has a content of 0 0.102 um, they think that's worth bringing out and running it through the process whatever they whatever comes out of that they put, actually put it in a stockpile uh, for later on probably when technology someone's finds a good way to, you know, an easier way or a cheaper way to get to that. But um, that's, you know, that, that is tiny. I mean, think about you. I mean, that's just a tiny little speck of gold in the middle of a mountain. And somehow God was able to see that 
uh, in, in you and me and, and uh, has made the effort to draw us out of that mess um, because he saw something valuable that he could work with. And what, you know, when I say that he saw something valuable, is more like he saw something that he could fix and purify so that he could actually use that. I mean, that value had no purpose and no value on its own, stuck over there in the middle of the bottom of some mountain or some river. If it hadn't been for the mercy of God to, to reach out to the likes of you and me, um, and and see that tiny little bit that he could work with to make a whole vessel out of it. Um, that's a, that's pretty impressive. You know, when you think of the mercy and the um, the desire, really, of Father God to draw us to Him, because uh, He saw. Um, that he could work with it. And, you know, a lot of times you feel more like all those tons and tons of useless ore, useless dirt, and God is more interested in that little speck of what he considers his nature uh, that still needs processing. But he's willing to do all that uh, with you and I, and I, I, I find that to be exciting that uh, that God would do that. And so it it says that that He will purify us as silver is tried, refine as silver is refined, and <clears throat> try them as gold is tried, so that they shall call on My name, and I will hear them, and I will say, It is My people. And they shall say, the Lord is my God. You know, we, we've read these verses and for so long that sometimes we don't understand, we don't comprehend. That when you say that something is your God, that's pretty major. I mean, think about all the things that, that you go after, right? Things that are important to you. Um, you would never say, though, that is my God. <laughs> You know, that's what I will do. And um, what I'm trying to get at tonight with me and all of us is that um, the process that God has us involved in is to bring us to a place to where we, we come to realize that there is no other life, there is no other source other than Him. Um, that, that he is our everything. And, you know, we can be in need a, a lot of times. We can be spiritual. We can be all kinds of things. But very often, can, but not very often can you say, this is my everything. There is nothing else. And I, you know, I feel that more and more God is cutting off all the other avenues of life that we feed from and that gives us some sort of sustenance. Um, and, you know, 
and he, it's funny how he cuts them off. Sometimes he cuts them off by allowing us to indulge in things. But so then we realize that nothing really, nothing else can feed us. Nothing else can give us um, the sustenance like he can. And his ultimate purpose is for us to realize that he is the only one that can be our all. There is nothing else, you know. And we don't, we don't really get that, you know. Uh, to say he is my God, that is saying there is nothing else. There's absolutely nothing else that can satisfy my whole need. And, you know, we believe that outwardly, but in actu- actuality, we do a lot of things to protect ourselves, to feed ourselves, to give answers to the things that we have. And not those, those things aren't necessarily wrong, but, you know, this, this refining that God is doing, that it does become extremely important, is to bring us to that place where we can look at God as being our answer, our only salvation that we have. And if you turn to um, Isaiah 52. Verse 1, it says, Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion. Put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth there shall no more come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake thyself from the dust. Okay, I thought he just called you beautiful. Um, it's, It's amazing how God is able to see past all our filthiness and our undesirableness. He can look through that and he says, shake thyself from the dust, arise and sit down, O Jerusalem, lose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus says the Lord, ye have sold yourselves for naught. Okay, this is something that we did. You can relate to that. You have sold yourselves for naught and ye shall be redeemed without money. You know, if we had to pay for the redemption of our souls, we couldn't. There is not enough worth, there is not enough value in anything that we can bring to the table, anything that we can do to redeem our fallen nature. And yet God says, you, I, I want to redeem you, and that is, that is not going to cost you anything. Um, you don't have to pay anything for that. I will do that. It says, for thus says the Lord God, verse 4, my people went down aforetime into Egypt to so- sojourn there. So really, this is our own fault. A lot of times we think that we, we have to have a part in this. Like we got to do something to be good. We got to do something to deserve this. And actually we do just the opposite. We went down to captivity on our own will. Okay? And God doesn't hold that against you. It says, and the Assyrians oppressed them without cost. 
That I am not sure, but it says that. Now, therefore, what have I here, saith the Lord, that my people is taken away for naught? It's, it's almost, and maybe I'm putting words to this, but it's almost as if he's shocked that someone would think that you went down to Egypt for nothing. Like, it's of no purpose, it's of no value. And, you know, we think, I went down, I deserve this because I went down to Egypt on my own. I came into this captivity. I walked right into it with my eyes open. And God is saying, it's not, it has a purpose in it. It's not for no purpose at all. It's, you know, it's really, I allowed it. They that rule over them make them to howl, saith the Lord. And my name continually every day is blasphemed. Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, they shall know in that day that I am he that doth speak. <clears throat> Behold, it is I. And, you know, I read this a few weeks ago, and that line touched me, that God looks at you in your captivity, in your filthiness, in wherever you're stuck in, uh, and he says, I, I saw you, and it is I that speak to you. It is the greatest source of all life, of all universe, the greatest power, the, the, the great of everything, and looks at a speck of dust like you and says, I'm communicating with you. It is I. Uh, I like that. You know, <laughs> let me read that verse again. Therefore, my people shall know my name. There they shall know in that day that I am the dust speak. Behold, behold, it is I. I speak. You know, what God speaks to you, it doesn't matter where you're stuck in. But when you know that it's God, it, it gives you the freedom and the liberty that you need. Um, the, it doesn't have to answer the thing that you were asking about. As a matter of fact, it, a lot of times it doesn't answer directly what you were looking for. But what he says something to you, it does bring forth a different level of strength and encouragement from your soul that you didn't have before. And it's just that simple act of communicating with him of hearing his voice, of touching bases with him, of, of knowing that, oh my God, he spoke to me. He said something. And you know, Nathan was talking, and he was talking about, seek and you shall find. Seek, seek, you shall find. And you know, he, he told that story about <clears throat> uh, asking for, direction and clarity and getting the right vehicle and you know being in a world that is unknown to him and you know he goes to this dealer we all remember and the guy the first words out of his mouth is going to tell him what he was looking at he says you don't want that and Nathan realizes this is what I've been asking God for and you know I love that he made that point and that he told Madison don't ever write this down. Don't ever forget this. Because it was a direct answer from something he had been asking and thinking about. And 
going over his head and all that. And then it's all, maybe you almost missed it. Maybe he didn't. But, you know, it was so normal for that guy to say that. And all of a sudden you put two two together. It's like, oh, my God, you're, you're speaking to me. You're saying something. You know, the things that God speaks to you, um, you don't forget. I, 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 uh, I remember simplest, stupidest thing. But way, way back when we were doing Service Master, um, we had been in trouble for <laughs> a lot of things happened at Service Master that we got in trouble for. Um, but this this one time, uh, um, the we had been in a ha- in a habit of leaving places unlocked after we cleaned, and the managers were very faithful to write very creative notes. Um, to remind us of all the things that haven't been done, you know, that have been history and a lot of times from the week before and the week before and all that. And so we would sit down Sunday night and we would go over the notes, read them all together. Anyway, one of the things that had been a big deal that week was, you know, lock the doors when you leave. Customers seem to appreciate that when they come in the morning, the place has been secure. Anyway, so we're cleaning Value Village and we're all done and usually when we we clean valley village at the end of the night all the guys hit it and then we went home well i was about to set the alarm we had the lights off was about to set the alarm and not thinking about anything a little voice something told me check the back door now the back door at valley village nobody went out through we didn't have to go out through the dumpster that way nobody checked that one back door out in the storage part you know way back there and I was like, but we didn't go out that way. Nobody came in that way. I know all of it. Anyway, I just checked that door. So I stopped, turned the lights back on, walked back there. The door was unlocked. But it so happened, I think one of the guys was rummaging through the stuff that was going to come in the next day, trying to get ahead of the shopping or something. Um, anyway, um, not a big deal. but. I have forgotten more important things that have happened since, but that I haven't forgotten. Um, Because it was just such a simple thing that God just said, it reminded me, check the back door. And I was excited that rest of that whole week because God spoke to me. Um, And you know, we have places where God does that and just that communication that you have with him. And I know that they are far and few in between a lot of times, but we don't choose how God speaks and when he speaks. We don't choose how he speaks. You know, we used to uh, ponder that a lot. You know, well, how do you know you're hearing from God? You know, how does God speak? Well, I don't know is the answer. I don't know. Um, But he does speak in many ways. That was one of them. You know, what he spoke to Nathan the other day, that was another way. Uh, sometimes he speaks through others. Um, circumstances. Uh, you know, mostly saying that for the young people. Don't be fretting. But am I hearing from God? When God wants, make yourself available, as we started, to make yourself, avail yourself to him. And when God wants to speak to you, he will make sure that you know that it was him that said something. But... <clears throat> Um, there's a need for all of us to 
to hear his voice. Because, um, and I know that I've been harping on this for a little while, so I'm sorry if it's getting old, but it's, it's the, I don't want to say the thing. <laughs> we say a lot of things are the thing. So tonight, that is the thing. Um, one of the most important things to lead us to find the life um, that we need each day is that connection to know that God is speaking to you, that God has said something. Um, it it is the thing that guides you. Is is the thing that that lets you know that you are in the right path or that you're on the wrong path, or or, or that you shouldn't do this. Um, it's 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 the only voice that is able to give you good counsel. And it's the only voice that is able to give you the life that we need in order to commune with him eternally. Everything else will fade away. Everything else will deceive us in one way or another, as good as it may be. If it's not the voice of God, however it is that you're hearing it, but it's important that we hear it. It's important that, that you know that is there um, because it brings forth the life that you need and the guidance that you must have to be able to walk today and to be able to walk through whatever circumstance um, you're in the middle of because in that refining process that, that you know, can get pretty grueling. I mean, uh, <clears throat> talking about gold, it's a lot of chemicals, it's a lot of processes, and it's a lot of heat. I have no idea how much heat, but a lot of it. And to get rid of everything else. And so all that is difficult at times. But in the midst of all that, there's also the voice of God that gives you enough to be able to know that you can overcome, that you will not be, whether things change or not, outwardly, you will not be under that yoke the rest of your life. And maybe things won't change, but just that word that he puts inside of you, whether you see it, you know, like we just said, or just something that God put in your heart, sometimes it's just a thought that you have. And then someone else says something to you later on in the day and you realize, oh my God, he was telling me something this morning. <clears throat> and it took me all day. But when God speaks, things change. You know, I was thinking of uh, Moses. When Moses was told that he should go and talk to Pharaoh, you know, he wasn't giving a lot of... Uh, Ammunition, a lot of other um, convincing uh, things to go talk to Pharaoh about why he should deliver his people, right? But it so happened that the people of God cried and God heard them and God decided that Moses was going to be the guy that was going to go talk to Pharaoh 
And I don't know that God needed all that, but that's just how he did it. And then the astonishing thing is that what Moses has to tell Pharaoh, when Moses said, I mean, when Pharaoh tells Moses, well, where are you coming from? You know, what's going on? I mean, why should I do this? I mean, who, who's saying this? And he says, the I am that I am. Uh, excuse me? <laughs> uh, who was that? Do I know this guy? You know, do I, where is this king? You know, who? No, it, it was just, it was just the power of the voice of God just making way for his people to be released from captivity. That's all that it took. I mean, it was a lot, but it started with just the voice of God breaking through all that and realizing that when he says, I am the one that's saying to you, I am the one that speaketh, it is I, it is I. Don't, don't take that for granted. When he says, it is I, the one that is making a way for you. It is I, the one that is leading you today. And, you know, we sometimes, the, out, the other side of this, is sometimes we use that as leverage, right? And that's not right. <laughs> when someone says, I heard from God, you know, you kind of, all hands are off, right? Um, don't, don't touch that. Um, and I don't think that it was intended to be that way. Although sometimes when God speaks, a way should be made. But he makes the way. We don't. He's the one that if he speaks, he will make sure that that happens. Um, we don't have to push that. Sometimes we have to stand in what we hear. Sometimes also his word comes through others. Sometimes there's, there should be confirmation and we don't always hear exactly what God has to say. I, you know, there was a situation recently where it took me about a month to be able to say something because they use this line, you know, well, this is what God spoke to me. And I do want to respect that. But if you fully disagree with it, and in this circumstance, it was somewhat personal. And I had to say, well, with all due respect, if it's the word of God, then it's going to come through regardless of what I say. May I challenge you a little bit that maybe that's not just the intent of what God said. There might have been another aspect of that. So, you know, but regardless of all that, it's the word of God that brings the life and the release that you need, that I need to be able to bring us out of the place that we're in. And um, my emphasis here tonight is don't diminish the need in all of our lives, in my life, in your life, to make contact to where um, God is leading you by his word, by what he says to you. It could be insignificant. It may seem insignificant. But it's the life that we need. And it's the, the power. There's a power in what he speaks to bring us forth yet another step closer to what he's doing. And... <clears throat> um, I want to go to uh, 
Proverbs 7. Just want to read one verse there and then I want to go to chapter 8. Verse 24. It says, Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Hearken unto me and attend to the words of my mouth. Let's go to chapter 8. It says, Does doth not wisdom cry? Brother Bill, I think, preached about this a few months ago, about this chapter. Just want to pick the first few verses here. It says, Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice. You know, God wants us to get it. He wants us to hear Him. Uh, You know, when He's saying that, you know, He's crying, and it says, She standeth at the top of the high places, by the way, by the way, in the places of the paths. Like, how more, how more in the way can he be? She cried at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in, at the doors, wherever you turn. And, you know, I don't mean to, to say by that that we had someone say, used to say, well, God spoke to me this, God spoke to me that. I'm not meaning to say that God is, you know, a bird talking to you in your ear all the time. I do think he speaks. I think a lot of times we don't hear we don't hear him. But also how much he speaks, I have no idea. It says unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of man. O you simple, understand wisdom, and you fools, be ye of an understanding heart. Hear, for I will speak of excellent things. Okay? Here and I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. The opening of his lips are right things. God does not fool you. He doesn't deceive you. When he opens his mouth is the right thing. This is why it's so important to be attentive to what he says. Because what he is saying is the right thing. Verse 7, For my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. All the words of his mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing forward or perverse in them. They are all plain to him that understandeth, and right to them that find knowledge. They're the right thing for you. They are the right thing for me. If someone was here offering you just the perfect thing, just what you needed, we would would not have any question about it. We would say, yeah, I'll take it. I'll buy it. I'll, 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 I'll heed your advice. And this is what I'm saying. You know, he is saying, I have what you need. The things that come out of my mouth are the right things for you. Can we hear that? (laughs) The things that come out of his mouth, they are right. They're not deception. They're not trying. They are the right thing 
that you need for that day, for your life, for more than that day, for your life. And um, if we go to, <clears throat> I'll start heading towards the close. Isaiah 30, I believe it is. It's a very familiar verse, but verse 18, it says, therefore, will the Lord wait. This is great, really. Therefore, will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you. Aren't you thankful that he waits? It says, therefore, will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is God of judgment. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are they that wait for him. For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. Thou shalt weep no more. And he will be gracious unto thee at the voice of thy cry. It's great to know that God does hear us too, right? When When he shall hear it, he will answer thee. And though the Lord gave you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, which we know that that's true, that that happens, that's the purifying. Yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner anymore, but but thine eyes shall see thy teachers and thy ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, this is the way, walk in it. And when you turn to the left, to the right hand, and when you turn to the right, to the left hand, there is that voice there that is faithful to say, this is, this is the way. Walk in it. You know, it makes you thankful that, that God waits for us to a place. You know, I think what he's waiting for is, is for us to be able to, not to be perfect, because we can't do that without him, but for us to be able to be willing to hear to be, come to a place where you can say, Lord. And I think uh, a lot of times <clears throat> affliction brings us and drives us to a place where we know, oh my God, I need help. And it doesn't matter what brings you there. It doesn't matter how you got there. You know, they went down to Egypt on their own and into captivity and all that. You know, I think it's God letting us know sometimes we like to allow condemnation to protect us from what God is trying to do. And what he's saying is he's going to remove all that. However you got there, all he wants is a vessel that is willing to hear him. That's what we have to do. That's the only thing that we have to do. We can't do anything because we won't do it right. But when you allow yourself to be met by God, then he can tell you the thing that is right, the thing that you need, so that you can be delivered. I'm interested in not so much, you know, I don't have a lot of afflictions, so it's probably easier for me, but I'm in just as much danger as anyone else is. 
about my soul getting the deliverance that it needs, getting the salvation. You know, that, that's the most important part. Our bodies, God somehow is going to deal with that and he has a plan. But our soul is what he's working with. And that's the, that's the part of you and me that needs to know, understand and hear what he's saying so that we can walk and be able to overcome the places that, that he's leading us to. And last verse, Second Peter. <clears throat> Chapter one. Verse 13. Says, yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ had showed me. So he knew he was gonna have to go, and this is what he wanted him to remember. He says, Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. That, that was a tremendous view, tremendous showing, that they, they got an opportunity to be there and be eyewitnesses of this. I would say that that was pretty amazing, but that's not what his point is here. It says, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice from him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You know, Peter was saying, we were there to witness that this actually happened. And that was, I mean, imagine hearing that voice. Um, that was pretty amazing. It says, and this voice came from heaven. We heard when we were with him in the holy mountain. But this is the verse that I want to get to. It says, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. We have also a more, a more sure word of prophecy. That was pretty amazing, wouldn't you say? To have been there and to have heard Father God speak to his son and say, this is my well-beloved son. I would say that that was a pretty high mark in his life. But you and I have a more sure word, than, word of prophecy than that. Wow, we have something that is even greater than that. That, that is the thing that I'm impacted with. Whereunto you do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shine in a dark place until the day dawn and the star arises in your hearts. You know, if there's a day dawn and there's a star that is going to rise in your hearts, that means that there was a dark time. That there was a time when you couldn't see anything, when there was confusion, when there were all those things. But you have a more sure word than what happened, than what he was able to see back then when God said, this is my well-beloved son. The, the, the heart and the intent of God directed 
so that you and I could be delivered and can be brought to full salvation. The power in that is uncomprehensible. However, you got it. We cannot understand. And we are recipients of that today. You know, if we can all remember on a bad day that, that there's a more sure word of prophecy directed towards you. To know that the voice of God can speak to you as well and can also bring the life that he intends to bring in all of us. That's, you know, the heart of God for his people. is not to bring us down. The fiery trial, all those things, are only to purify what he wants to do so that you and I can communicate with him in a way that when he speaks, it makes everything else right. Amen? Amen. Okay. We're going to close. Is there anything else tonight? Okay. Lord, we give you thanks for your presence tonight. Thank you, Lord, for being with us, Father. I ask you that you continue to direct our ways, Lord. Lord, that uh, our hearts would learn to hear your voice and do those things that you are speaking to us, Lord. ask you for help with uh, Kathy, Lord, and your strength to be made manifest in her life, Lord. Lord, that you continue to direct her and Mark and Renee, Lord, that you keep the family under your covering. Lord, thank you for your help. All the other needs here, Lord, we lift those up before your throne of grace, Lord, and we know that you are able to bring the answers to each situation, Lord, to satisfy the need in a way that only you can meet each circumstance. Thank you for this night, and we ask you to go before us. In your name we pray. Amen.